0: Life Jitsu Art of Life Frank Forza and I did a post yesterday on Facebook Live and I was talking about in fight sports when you're stuck in a choke when you're in a bad spot and not panicking and not tapping too soon which most people do most people can breathe They're stuck in a choke, they can actually breathe, they can buy themselves more time, they can escape, they can be Houdini. But they panic, they wind up tapping. And life is a lot like that when people get into bad positions and they panic and they they become hopeless, they do desperate things, they overreact, and then that starts an even more vicious cycle where things spiral out of control, and life just seems daunting. How do you get out of a bad spot? Well, I always say You gotta try to keep your sobriety. You gotta gotta fight to keep your sanity. And you gotta fight to protect your smile. No matter how bad things are, if you have them, you're determined. You can always be a Houdini and usually get out of most bad spots. Anyway, when I posted this on Facebook, and um, if you have a chance to see it, you you can go to my Facebook, Frank Forza, and see it. It's, It's very heartfelt. And that. Post is designed, it's aimed at people. Hey, you're in a lot, you're in a crappy spot, you're hating life, you're depressed, you're unemployed, you're drug addicted, you're feeling like crap, you're eating crap. What do you do? Where do you start? What are the habits to fix things? So I put that one up, very dear to my heart. I know so many people that are in a spot, in a rough spot. Anyway, when I post that on Facebook, of course, it's always interesting to see when you feedback and thank you when you take the time to write me something on Instagram or Facebook or email me. I don't take that for granted. I'm grateful for anybody being impacted or something I say resonates with them. I'm just grateful that people interact and engage with stuff that I produce. Anyway, yesterday it was Sean Spangler commented on the Facebook post, and he shared it with people, which was great of Sean. And what's interesting about that, Sean Spangler, of course, got his black belt from the same, his same person I did, Robert Drysdale. And Sean is an interesting guy, because when Sean Spangler lived here in Las Vegas and trained with me for years, you know, Sean and I didn't really care for each other at all we did not get along well at all it was like animal instinct right you know one dog sees another dog and just bam you just know i don't want you stay on your spot you stay on your side i'll stay on my side it was like that nothing in common and tension too and one time so what i'm getting at i'm going to talk about violence today because violence is in the world and like i said years ago in two thousand six fightings in our DNA. And that phrase is now around the world. I want you to find somebody who made that comment before two thousand six. If you find them, please let me know. And I'm proud of that phrase and I'm proud you know, I don't I didn't trademark it, I didn't anything, I wasn't smart enough, but I'm glad to see that phrase. It's such a poignant, powerful phrase. I'm glad to see it the world over, it's been trademarked, it's on T shirts. You know, me, us Frank, not businessman Frank, not Frank the artist, not Frank the entrepreneur. So I didn't, I couldn't see the power of that phrase just throwing it out there, but happy to see it have legs and it's so impactful and it's been used at Oxford University and I think Harvard University. It's been used the world over. It's been used on so many prominent outlets. Hey, just a little, just a little slice of satisfaction to see that, hey, you know what? Really nailed it with that phrase. And there's a lot more where that came from, but anyway. Talk about this violence thing, because our relationship with violence, I mean, some of us, not all of us are born in great neighborhoods, right? You're going to see, I mean, I've seen so many fights in my life, legal cage fights, sanctioned cage fights. I've seen seen fights in the gym. I've seen fights in the street. I've seen fights in back alleys. I've seen people get shot in front of me. I've just seen a lot of stuff, kind of like not a war zone, but, you know, a couple steps removed from a war zone, where you're just seeing, you're seeing somebody who's mean or evil or animalistic or violent, someone who's just trying to really wreck someone and not remove them from their consciousness and knock out their teeth and, you know, hit them up, people attacking people with baseball bats, that's just a... I've seen that. I've been around that over the years. And I want to talk about that. I want to frame that and tell you what, can, what, can, what did I learn from all of that? What perspective did I gain? And what can I share with other people? Because I have kids. I even I teach them jiu-jitsu private lessons, teenagers. We have to talk about this kind of stuff. They, these questions come up. What do I tell them? What do I tell the teenagers? I say, oh, I've never been in a fight. And, of course, I don't want the kids that I'm working with I don't want them getting in fights. I'd be so happy to hear a story where something happened and someone insulted them, or they were in a situation and they were able to verbally defuse the situation. Nothing would make me happier. Nothing would would show that, hey, I'm a, I'm actually a really good teacher. Look at this. This kid's knocking down, you know, bullies are coming up to him. People want trouble and he's def- he or she is deftly diffusing it, sidestepping it, using their voice, using their eyes, using their posture, using their calm, using, extending peace to the other person, not freaking out and, and just taking situations that are, that could be violent and turning them into um, maybe even a, you know, a, a friendship or an understanding, but that would make me happy, okay? But the reality is I do get these questions. What, what about what about this? What about this scenario? And have you ever? Hey, I've been in in, in, in quite a few physical scraps. I don't want to sit there. I'm not going to brag about it and glorify because there is nothing to. And I'm not going to sit here and act like oh every fight or physical altercation that I was a part of I won. I most certainly didn't. I did not. And I've had my butt whooped, you know. I've had my butt whooped in the street. I've had my butt whooped over an argument with somebody. I've had my butt whooped in training. I've had my butt whooped in sparring with fists. I've had my butt whooped on ju- in jiu-jitsu practices. I've had my butt whooped in wrestling practices. Hundreds of times, if you add them all up, where it didn't go my way, handled or manhandled, where I was exhausted, that's happened a lot of times. And yes, I did consider myself, hey, I'm a tough guy and I prided myself on my mental toughness, my physical toughness, my drive, my tenacity. And yet, hey man, there's other tough people out there too. There's people bigger, badder, stronger, faster. It's their day, meaner. And I've met them. So we're going to talk about violence today and what we can learn from that, My perspective. But going back to Sean Spangler, I said, Sean and I had always had like this, this beef, this tension. Never cared for each other, and it's interesting. He was here in Vegas. He was, he was working, you know, doing business deals. He, I think I believe he went to NC State, North Carolina State University. Uh, you know, college-educated guy and. And also a black belt. I mean, Sean Spangler, you go pull his name up and you go look at all the tournaments. That guy's done, I mean, I've done 300-plus matches. Sean Spangler's probably done 500, 600-plus, maybe more matches, combat sports matches, wrestling, jiu-jitsu tournaments, submission grappling. Um, He has been around a long time. If if you're, you know, all of the old-timers in the fight sport Sean Spangler and have trained with him. He has put him, I mean, Sean Spangler used to do, he would sign up, one of those guys to go to a tournament and sign up for three, four different divisions and hop from one match to the next. 190 pound guy or so, but he had this, didn't look, didn't look physically opposing. Remind me of, say, a Dan Henderson, right? Dan Henderson, you just look at him and you're thinking, people walk by Dan Henderson and yeah, Dan Henderson has the flat nose and he has the cauliflower ears and he, he looks like a tough guy. But if you just looked at Dan Henderson's body, I mean, he never looked like much. He's a 190 pound guy, and kind of on the, you know, skinny side, regular build, not a lot of musculature, not a lot of muscular, not, the muscles aren't very sculpted or, or striation, especially if the guy's in a t-shirt and shorts or a t-shirt and jeans, you're just like, eh, nothing special about that guy. But then you collide with a Dan Henderson, you're like, that freakish pal. Right. Or a Sean Spangler, guy with a guy who, had, who was wrestling in jiu-jitsu at a time when you weren't really allowed to wrestle. I mean, there were people forget. Nowadays, you're encouraged to learn to take takedowns in Brazilian jiu-jitsu submission grappling. In the old days, I mean, in, in a lot, a lot, a lot of academies, it was taboo. Foot locks were taboos, knee bars were taboo, takedowns were taboo. There wasn't even the space in a lot of places for the takedowns. You get someone heard. And people, you know, so you weren't, so Sean Spengler was ahead of his time being a college wrestler. And um, you know, he, he was doing that wrestling thing in, in, in submission grappling and jiu-jitsu before it was in vogue. And he had that freakish monkey. This grip, a lot of power from the forearms and the wrists down. And he has this, he has this whole series of front headlocks to different chokes, and, and it's very effective. He was ahead of his time there with it, and um, he'd catch anybody in that. He's caught some of the best of the best with um, with those with that little monkey choke from that front headlock series he has including me, including yours truly, um, he's caught me with it numerous times. And so whenever we would train, I mean, Sean was probably 45 pounds heavier than me, and, uh, you know, guy wrestled D1, and I actually went to wrestle D1 too, but I had that, that major surgery that um, that stopped my college career before it started, 27-inch scar down my right leg. And that was that. But anyway, Sean Spangler did. He got to wrestle all of those years in C-State. And, man, anyway, 45-pound weight advantage on me and used to just, uh, you know, he used to take it to me. And I hated that, too, because now not only do I have a guy that I don't really care for, he don't care for me. We just see the world differently. And, we, you know, we have this alpha-to-alpha alpha thing, is tension. And now, of course, he's getting the better of it training, which I did not like. Anyway, one day, tensions boiled over, and uh, man, we were about to come to blows in Robert Drysdale's academy here in Las Vegas. We were standing up. We were serious. I mean, we were really ready. It wasn't, I mean, when you're in the fight game, you know, there's a lot of bluffing In regular people bluff and what you looking at and what are you going to do when people get in each other's faces and they don't really want to fight, right, there's a lot, most people who jaw with each other and talk smack and what you going to do and whatever, they don't really want to fight, most people don't, they want some attention, they want to intimidate the other person or they, um, you know, But they're not serious. They don't really want to fight. Most people will back down. They want somebody else to come in and break it up. Like, let the outsiders come in and and break it up. That sort of thing, right? But when you got people that have been in the fight sports as long as Sean Spangler and I have, and have the pedigree and the training, uh, when you get to John as intensely as we were, you're not messing around. You're ready to, to rock and roll. And... Robert Drysdale was in the gym that day witnessing it, and I have never, in all my years, knowing Robert, and I've probably known Robert now almost 10 years, maybe 10 or 11. I've never seen Robert Drysdale more angry and more upset than the time that Sean Spagler almost came to blows. I mean, Robert was livid. He was boiling over, and he was so boiled over that it pretty much instantaneously diffused Spangler and I. Our anger, our our dislike for each other. It pretty much diffused it because we realized how much we had rattled Robert and how we were disrespecting Robert in his own gym and how we were distracting our teammates, creating a distraction for them. A lot of you know, UFC fighters that were there and people that are professional and we were... We were distraction. we were setting a bad example, we were in Robert's house, we were disrespecting him. And so we realized at that moment, it was the perfect Robert's reaction actually because we realized, wow, we are like, we have no right to do this. We have to be better, we have to do better, we have to control ourselves better, this is stupid. And so after that, we did not come to blows, but after that, not a lot changed between Spangler and I. We just, we didn't care for each other. Same thing. Tension. We weren't buddies. We weren't going to lunch. I never rolled with him again, but I never disrespected him. I never, I just, for the betterment of the team, out of respect for Robert and, you know, for my own freedom, right? I mean, you can't be going around fighting people. You go to jail, maybe so on many levels I was just like, look, you're not going to have a situation like that with him again. You're going to be professional. You're going to stay poised. But now you fast forward years later, and it's interesting. It's a very old school mentality where when I was growing up in Baltimore, and people of my age know this, before gun violence just took over the inner cities, the urban areas, the rougher neighborhoods. Before the gun violence got really, really, really bad and rampant, people were still just fist fighting. You could have a fist fight in my generation. Yes, people got shot, but it was an epidemic at the time. It was slowly increasing and mounting, and it was a violent city, but you, know, you get jumped, you might get beat with a baseball bat, but people weren't shooting each other left and right, It hadn't gotten that bad. People would still throw down. They would still fight. People would get in each other's face. You want a buck? You want a buck? And just stupid stuff. Hey, you cross that line, I will do X, Y, Z to you. I mean, you just saw so many fights over stupid stuff. But just the anger of people from their circumstance, repeating behavior they had seen, their parents, whoever, violence at home. So in the old days that old mentality it was like you had to be ready to fight. And if you didn't fight, you could have you could make a lot even if you won or you lost. You had to stand up for yourself on those streets. Because if you didn't, you have even more long-term problems. If people if you let people punk you from where I came from and those rules I'm talking about the street rules. I'm not talking about now if you live in a good neighborhood, I'm not Advocating this by any means now, but I am putting in perspective the street rules, which were quasi-prison rules of a lot of places where I grew up. Those were the rules. Most of you would have, you would have had to abide by them or you wouldn't have survived. You wouldn't hit. Things have been a lot rougher on you. And so the code was, if you had a problem, you fought with it. If you had to fight, you fought. If you didn't fight, you were going to be considered a punk. And you were going to have more problems in the back end. Everybody else would see it and say, okay, that person's weak. I can walk all over him. I can make him do X, Y, and Z. So you're going to pay now or you're going to pay later. You might get a busted lip now. You might hurt your hand. You might get a black eye. But it may be better than having 10 other people exploit you and do bad things. So it's a opportunity cost. Night. Pay now or pay later. You learn. You had to fight, and then a lot of times, though, when you do fight, if you just fight valiantly, win or lose, what happens? It's amazing power of fighting to bond people, to 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 spark instant forgiveness. It's amazing. A lot of times, it doesn't happen all the time, but I saw it happen most of the time, where people would fight it out. They would squash the beef. That's what, it was. that's what That's what squash and a beef was. People would say, all right, it's squash. They would fight. Go at it. It'd be entertaining. People would gather around. And then when it was over, all right, that's squash. Shake hands. And that was it. And then you'd see those two people that were fighting and they're friends again. It's all good. They respect each other. And I saw that so many times. And so, what happened actually? Even with Sean Spangler and I, again, we're roughly the same age, kind of old school. What happened now? Fast forward all these years later. Hey, Wes, what? He's a passionate guy. I'm a passionate guy. He's a tough guy. Maybe I'm a little tough. Maybe. And guess what? It's squashed. It's water under the bridge, man. I got. I'm. I'm rooting. I'm rooting for him. He's teaching. I'm rooting for him to be a good teacher and put more, have a positive impact on the world. That's what I'm rooting for. That's maturity. So what would I tell my son? What would I tell even the kids I coach when they ask? Sometimes if they're asking me, you know, questions, we go through a lot of scenarios of this could happen, that could happen, this kid's drawing with you, this kid wants to get in your face, distance management and, and movement and Keeping your hands up and things to be aware for, and his body type. You know, some of the kids I work with, maybe short stocky kid. His body type is meant more to get on the inside, some devastating body shots, some some uppercuts, maybe a, maybe a right hook, maybe a, a clinch and a takedown. And uh, someone else is longer and speedier, and and maybe they're maybe if they're longer than their opponent or the threat, they're dancing a little more on the outside. You just adapt to the client, but. We go through a lot of scenarios of verbal diffusion, but I certainly don't advocate it. Would make me very happy if my own son has never in a fight. My own son's been already been in a couple. He's nine years old. He's already been in a couple of fights, which is crazy, which is not good. Um, but my own son is a very quiet kid, and he's been he's been picked on. He's a target. He's he's you know he's not the most confident kid. He's very quiet and, uh, you know, we had one kid when he was in lunch one day, he was eating big lunch room, all the kids gather there, and so it's loud, and everyone's eating, and my kid's shy, he's sitting there eating, and a kid comes up right behind him, and uh, just comes up, sneaks up behind my kid and, and yells at the top of his lungs, ah, scaring my kid, right? This other kid is entertaining himself, and gets a kick out of it, yelling, just scaring my kid spontaneously, and my kid's so rattled, and you know, my kid, hey, my kid stands up for himself. He started fighting the other kid. The kid that yelled at him, he started fighting. Now, was I mad at my son? My, my son's nine. No, I wasn't. That no, wasn't. That wasn't cool. What the other kid did. Now I can't have my kid just punching back and hitting back, and that's not going to be a long-term solution to everything. But I understand as a coachable moment. I understand. Okay, that's your reaction right now. I understand it. We got to improve that. We got to improve your confidence so that. You know your your presence, so that kids don't even want to do that, so that they don't look at you as someone who can be a target, right? So we've got a lot of work to do, so that you don't have to fight. When you, when your posture is better, when your breathing is better, when you have a certain look in your eyes, a way that you move, when you're good with words, when you're good at reading people, when you know your strength, when you know your power, when you know what you could do, you just don't have to fight as much. So I had a lot of fights. I don't glorify them whatsoever. I had a lot of fights that was not good that means I was scared I was so scared of what other people thought I let them get to me I let them penetrate my armor right emotional armor my mental armor because I should have been bulletproof I should have been hey you just said whatever 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 about me and it just has no impact it's like a a light punch you just laugh off that's what a lot of the verbal stuff is that's what a lot of mean words are insults. They're a punch. It's a verbal jab at you. And we have to show our toughness by don't overreact. You don't have to sit there and somebody makes a verbal jab at you and then you decide to physically jab or physically punch them. No, you don't need to do that. Because the world is full. I mean, I told my brother, like, you're going to be fighting every day. If we react to everything and every insult, we'll be fighting every day. We can't go around being that kind of vigilante. That's not productive you're going to wind up in jail you're going to wind up in a lot of bad things right you're going to hurt your ability to get work and nobody's going to want to be around you you're going to have such bad negative energy people want to be around positive energy people want to be around people that would help them not harm them not he's going to freak out and he's going to he's going to try to harm us he's going to want revenge people don't want to be around that people want to be around someone's like look even if there was a disagreement if it was intense you're going to handle it like an adult you're going to be respectful you're going to forgive them you're going to give them the benefit of the doubt you're going to have a good heart toward them. You would be the kind of person that would that would help them, not hurt them. That's what people want to be around. So the, the things that worked in Baltimore, those street rules, they don't work in corporate world. They don't work when I'm dealing with, with clients. Those are terrible rules. I had to relearn almost everything from Baltimore, from those inner-city street rules, which are quasi-prison rules. They helped me get out of Baltimore, but then you realize, oh, man, you get older, and you're like, wow, you can't act like that. And that makes you just wanna live a good lifestyle, wanna have a good job, want to make money in legit ways so that you never have to go back there and be under those the prison rules, some of our streets. Who wants to live under that? Because then you might you're in those situations, you're dealing with with rotten people in some of those neighborhoods, man. You know, and put you in a you know, how are you, how you gonna react to them? I mean you can't just you know, you can't just walk out of every situation there in some of the cities. You can't. But you can determine how you carry yourself so you don't make yourself a target. There were kids, even in inner city Baltimore, there was this kid, Corey Beasley, I remember. Corey Beasley was fascinating, clean-cut kid. Nobody messed with Corey Beasley. It, it, used, it still confounds me to this day. How come nobody messed with Corey Beasley? Corey Beasley was roughly my size. Corey Beasley dressed like, for success, I mean, everybody else was dressing like a bum, and trying to be tough, and the pants were held low, and and muscle tops, and, you know, certain boots, trying to look cool, and and, and sweatsuits, and just trying to look cool, trying to look like a, a singing artist, whatever, imitating famous people, Corey Beasley was dressed for success, like, and I, it just baffled me, nobody would mess with him, but Corey Beasley had something, Corey Beasley, had the right amount of confidence for for Baltimore. He wasn't arrogant. He didn't think he was better than anybody, but he didn't bother anybody, and he was confident, and he was, you know, he was an athletic kid, too. He looked like he could fight if he had to. Nobody made Corey Beasley used to live up the street, man, 30th Street. Nobody messed with Corey Beasley. I was always, still to this day, I don't think Corey, I never saw Corey Beasley get in a fight, and I'm like, man, this kid looked like he was studious. He studied, he probably almost definitely there were very few people that made it out of, of the Baltimore neighborhoods where I was and, and made it to college I'm, I would bet anything Corey Beasley went to college graduated college and is doing well is you know middle class somewhere maybe upper class maybe even better but nobody messed with him he just put his head down but he had a confidence about him he had a knowing he had like a little like a mini Mandela or something right people just knew it's like Mandela too you know the Tribes, very powerful people, don't want to mess with Nelson Mandela. Think about that. A lot of people reached a point Now Mandela was even, was frail, or Mandela was, you know, he, he was a former boxer in his younger days, but he came out of prison. There's tons of people that could beat up Nelson Mandela. Tons. He wasn't physically imposing, but people, they had that respect. He had that presence. Even that empathy for other people. Where people know, you know, that's what I, thats where I try to come from now more with people is like, hey, I want when I see people, I want them to know and feel like, look, I empathize with you. I don't judge you. I care about you. Is there some little thing I can do or some big thing I can do to help you? If I have that resource, or if I can make a call, or if I can do something, or if I can refer you or point you to a book. And we have, you know, a lot of times it's interesting. We think that people are trying to mess with us, maybe we're messing with them, maybe we're the problem, right? Maybe we need to look in the mirror, maybe the reason that so much drama is coming into our life, or the fights, when, we were, when, when, when we're getting in fights, maybe we're the problem, maybe we're we're like, oh, this person, we're, we're looking at other people and blaming them and saying, oh, they're the reason, they're this, they're that, they're messed up, they're not fair people, they're unjust, it's like, well, maybe look at your own attitude. You, you walk around and you're thinking that, that all these other people are bad people, but, Look how you yourself to them. Look, What about the energy you're giving off? Maybe maybe they're feeding off of your energy, your negative energy. Maybe. Maybe you're getting what you deserve. Maybe when I was getting in fights, maybe I was getting what I deserved. I was so insecure. I was so afraid. I wanted to be tough. I wanted to be a tough guy. I wanted to be the toughest person in the room. That's a problem. You're going to invite trouble when you want to be the toughest person in the room because other people who want to be the toughest person in the room, they perceive you as a threat. Instead of going in the room saying, "Look, how can I make the room better? How can I help everybody in that room, even the people that might be a little jerks?" Say, well, how about I just do my thing? I'm here to help. I'm here to plant a seed of positivity in people's lives. I'm not here to fight. I'm not here to prove I'm the toughest anything. If you got something to say to me and you want to try to hurt me, you know, maybe I'll have, maybe I'll debate you. Maybe, but probably not. That's probably a bad idea. That's probably a bad idea. It's better to just take the blow, take the slight. Someone just cut me off. It's better to just, you know, whatever. I'm not going to be hammering on the horn, you know, cursing, whatever. Well, I'm going to change with that. Now they just drag me out of my zone. Now they just drag me out of my zen zone. I don't want that. They just push my button. Once people know what buttons to push, the bad people, the evil people, man, you're in trouble now. They know those buttons to push. They're going to go pushing them. So you can't show that weakness, You have a lot less problems. You gotta let some stuff go. You gotta be able. Gotta take some insults. You gotta take some people whispering, talking back about you behind your back. It's drive yourself crazy if you're gonna worry about all that. You drive yourself nuts. The vast majority of fights I've seen would be unavoidable. Now you're in a prison cell. If you're in certain neighborhoods, the really roughest neighborhoods, it might not be avoidable, man. You know, if you're in an intense sparring session somewhere, it might not be unavoidable. And even in a wrestling or a jiu-jitsu mat, yes, there's respect and all that stuff, but at the end of the day, people are going to get after it. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to get after it. It's going to get intense. And, and I've seen it even in controlled environments, martial arts environments. Um, I've seen things get heated. And what we need to do is remember, I remember one time Sunny Nahara broke my nose in training. We were sparring, Sonny was getting ready for a fight, an amateur fight. Sonny Mahara was one of my best training partners, and a guy, a good coach, taught me a lot. And I was helping Sonny get ready for a sparring session, and, you know, my understanding was, hey, we're going light. We're just here, I'm just giving him, I'm giving him work, I'm just moving and, you know, throwing light kicks and throwing light this and that. anyway... However it happened, Sonny's a good guy. I like Sonny a lot. Sonny and I had a lot of tension for a lot of years too, though, even though we were, you know, we were we were training partners, one of my best training partners, but there was a lot of tension. I don't think we really cared for each other for a lot of the years. And uh, anyway, Sonny let one get away in training. However that happened, he let one get away and boom, broke my nose really bad. Bled a lot, a lot, a lot. I was so mad after that, man. I was so pissed, right? That just should not have happened in training. I mean, like, no, we're, we're here, we're pulling our punches. And and I wrestled with that one, like, man. And then I thought, well, what are you going to do? I mean, the guy broke his nose in training, what are you going to do? You will come back tomorrow and train with him gonna two weeks, three weeks, what are you going to do? You're going to challenge him to a street fight in, 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 in the street outside of the academy, what are you going to do? You're going to stop training here, you're going to want to get revenge in training, what are you going to do? What are you going to change? You're gonna hate him now. or What are you gonna do? Because now, if you do that, if I try to choose to go the negative route, and hey, I'm gonna to try to hurt him in training, he's gonna to try to hurt me, and it's gonna escalate. And now the, the, the team is divided. Now you're distracting the team. This is one of my best training partners, even though there was tension between us. So what are you gonna do? And so I took the higher ground. I was very mad about it. I was very angry about it. The Sicilian to I me, mean, I was boiling mad about it. Like man, I got a broken nose now because of that and that affected, I couldn't train, you know, I trained, man, I, I would say, I, I was back at training in, like, a week, and my nose hurt so bad, every time somebody, oh, man, have you ever broken your nose, and, the, but i tell you what, that's how bad I love training, I was back within, you know, I think I missed five, six days, and I was back training, and every now and again, though, I'd get hit in that nose, in train. oh, in, in grappling, and my goodness, that hurt so bad, wow, it stopped you in your tracks, sting you, like, oh, man, your nose is so sensitive, but anyway, at the end of the day, I realize you got to forgive Sonny, man. Like, whatever, why ever it happened, he let one get away. Whatever, accident, whatever. What you gonna do? What's it gonna help? He's your training partner. We're a team. This is, in, you know, a, a mature environment of adults, an adult of professionals, an adult of people that are driven, that are trying to be their best selves. What yeah. are you gonna do? You forgive, Frank. You're gonna forgive is what you're gonna do. You're gonna let it go. Your know, my nose has never been perfectly straight again since, but oh well. And I can see it, but a lot of people can't see it. But I can see it in picture, every picture. My nose is just off center, right? I used to have a perfect nose. But, but uh, my, uh you know, I was like, you know, in a way, I kind of rationalized. Like, look, Frank, you've been in so many, you've been punched many times in your life. Your nose was long overdue to be broke. you were you lucky, you know, you lucky it took this long to break your nose. You should have had a broken nose a long time ago. So I was trying to rationalize it. But at the end of the day, I said, forgive him, man. You can't carry that into practice you can't carry that 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 negativity and that or hate or vengefulness or revenge you can't carry that over people in that environment people you're training with people that are helping you sharpen your sword you can't you gotta forgive and move on and now to this day Sonny Nahara just like Sean Spangler Sonny Nahara and I are friends I really you know Sonny's got a, a wife he's got kids he's a family man he's a good guy and you know, I I I root for him. I like to see him do well. I would like to see Sean Spang. Everybody used to train me. I want to see everybody do well. Because you know, they're not the people. They the people that are in the martial arts that I was training with. These people who've been doing it a long time. They're trying to make the world a better better world. They're not messing the world up. They're not the reason if the world. If some of the world sucks, it's not because of people that are that are putting the work in. That are trying to make themselves better. They're trying to have a positive impact on the community. They're trying to be providers for their families, and their friends. They're just doing the best they can. I say, fight sports didn't make me a perfect human being. Far from it. I still have some rough edges. The fight sports did not make me a perfect. Fight sports. Thirty-two years in the fight sports made me a better person than I would have been. I'm just a far, far, way, 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 way better person than I would have been. I'm not imper. I'm not perfect. I'm perfectly imperfect. But I'm really happy for because it, it, it saved me. It therapized me. You know, th- ther- it, it, it was therapy. It was, ca- it was cathartic. It was expression. It was exorcism of anger and things that were in me. And I was able to, to conquer a lot of things. I was able to, to know myself more deeply. I was able to, to read other people more. And I'm able to go through a season of where I was selfish to now unselfishness. to how can I help these other people? How can I make the room better? And I, whether Sean Spangler or Sonny Nahara, that's where we are. At the end of the day, it's squashed. The beef is squashed just like it was in inner city Baltimore. If we had anything, it's done. It's squashed. It's forgiven. I don't want to carry that. I'll be the victim and I don't want to carry that anyway. But also these are people trying to be good people, good dudes, people I train with, putting the work in, not chasing shortcuts. So you beef with somebody, whatever, squash the beef. I'm not here, I'm not, I hope, I'm not a fan of violence. I'm not a fan of street violence. But it it is, some of the things I've learned, I have seen a lot of street violence. I have seen a lot of fights. I've seen fights in gyms, I've seen fights wherever. I learned it gave me a perspective, and the reason I don't, like fighting, and the reason that I do try to defuse situations, and the reason I do forgive people, is because I have seen those violent situations, seen I mean, them, I and I realize that they're not a good choice. They're very rarely a good option. It's a bad option on, all, on so many levels, right? Legal level, um, even as a human being. I, you know, I, whenever I was in fights, I never felt good hurting anybody, and it don't, it doesn't feel good. It never felt good to me. So why do it? It made me feel like, man, they got me. If the person can get me to want to punch him in the face he got me he got me he got under my skin man he got me uh, that's weakness in me to 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 want to react like that that's weakness in me I stress that i need to be so mentally strong so spiritually strong so confident that the insults whatever do not bother me i'm bulletproof i'm impervious to them that's a real martial arts way and that's what violence has taught me Is look When you feel the need to be violent to someone, that's your own insecurity. That's your own fear. You need to work on that. And when people wrong you, forgive them. Forgive them. You have to. Whether they be your training partner, whether they be your neighbor, whether they be somebody you're close to, forgive them. Don't carry that around. We're adults now. So I've learned lessons from violence, and violence has taught me that violence is not the way. But when it does happen, when there's tension, when there's beef, when there's whatever, or a tense argument, or you get your nose broken, your partner or training partner lets one go for whatever accident or whatever, man, when it's all done, said and done, you forgive and move on. Okay, so fascinating topic. Thank you, Sean Spangler, for sparking that. Sonny Nahar, a good training partners, taught me so much. I hope you are well. And everybody out there, I welcome any comments, feedback. Uh, my website's www.frankieforza.com. My email, frankie at frankieforza.com. i got a lot to do today. But I hope you're having a great day. And uh, all the best, everyone.